Hello, everybody. Welcome to the BearCast Media Bengals Recap Show. I'm Justin Cashman alongside Alex Frank and Preston Stober. And for only the second time of the 2020 season, we're coming at you following a Bengals yes. win. Bengals picked up a much-needed win, a big win, against the 5-1 Tennessee Titans, 31-20 uh, at home yesterday. Alex, you were there, so was I. And uh, I know you probably have a lot to say, so uh, I'll let you get right into it. Well, you know what? I, I not only have a lot to say, but I got a... Um let me, uh, where is this? I don't have my beer opener, but I got this, uh, I'll use my Joe Burrow shirt I got re- representing the, the Lord and Savior of Cincinnati, this, uh, Michelob Ultra. <laughs> it's a taste of victory right there. <sighs> I, I exhaled. I slept from 645 till 10. Last night before I went to work at 700 just to get some sleep. And let me tell you, it was, oh, it was beautiful. I, I didn't have to worry about anything while sleeping because, listen, that game yesterday was exactly what we needed to see as fans. And I think the players, too. They, they had said it. Remember we I said Gio Bernard. Um, I mentioned what he said last week where they feel like, you know, they're so close and they just want to win one for Zach Taylor and for everyone, you know, working so hard and, um, yesterday validated everything that they had been doing leading up to that game. And it wasn't pretty. It wasn't overly pretty. Offensively, they, they the Bengals played really well. I'm not going to deny that. Joe Burrow, um, seemingly another day at the office for him, and I, I keep forgetting that he's a rookie. I think we all keep forgetting that. Um, 26-37, 249, two touchdowns, no interceptions, quarterback rating 106.7. Uh, two touchdowns, which, by the way, came in the fourth quarter. So when he needed to be great, he was. Like, the Titans, they had two quick scoring drives in the fourth quarter, and what did Joe Burrow do? He responded. Well, he only had to respond once, but he did. And even at, even when the Titans were kind of hanging around in the third quarter, the Bengals go down, score a touchdown, and start the fourth quarter. Twenty four seven. You put a team down by three scores. Yeah, they're gonna go. Yeah, they're gonna go up tempo. They're gonna hit twenty five yard out routes. But um, overall, fantastic game defensively. Look, they gave up four hundred yards of offense. I'm not saying that that's good at all. But what the defense did yesterday was they was they played called Ben Don't Break. They let Derrick Henry get his yards. They let um, Corey Davis go for 8-128 in a touchdown. But outside of that, A.J. Brown, one of the best physical wide receivers in the game, outside of a touchdown where the tackling was horrible, didn't see much of him yesterday. Uh, Derrick Henry did have 112 yards on the ground, 18 carries. But you think about it, he didn't really get going until like after the first quarter, which is typical. And by that time, you had built such a big lead that the Titans had to go through the air. And Ryan Tannehill did not have his best day. 18 of 30, 233, two touchdowns, one pick, should have been two. So there's a lot of positives to take away from this game. And the best part about it is the Bengals are still going to get better. On both sides of the ball, offensively, I think, you know, it's a matter of can you keep this, this play that we've been seeing the last three weeks on a consistent level throughout, you know, because there's some still some difficult games coming up, particularly the next game. We'll get to that later. And defensively, can you continue to stop the run? Look, you gave up only 112 yards to the best running back in the NFL. That's pretty good considering this defense for the last two years has been horrible against the run. 
And you only gave up the passing yards that you did because the Titans came out and established the pass and you weather that storm to seven. They held the Titans to seven points through the first three quarters. And the only reason why they got two scores in the fourth quarter was because they had to do what they did offensively because they were up against the clock. So great win yesterday. Lot of positives and still a lot that can be improved upon. Sorry to kind of talk a little long, Preston. Go ahead. No problem. Um, I, I, I think you brought up a few really good points there. And the first, and I think the most important, is you said um, something about getting over the hump and really kicking it off here. And we've talked about it. We've talked about it many times. This team has been so close in so many games. This team has been right there, and they just haven't been able to get over it. In this game, it wasn't even just it's been – it was so close. I mean, the Bengals – Really, I mean, this was a this this was a, a, a great win. I mean, and all across the board, it was a great win, and it was kind of one of those games. I remember at the end of the show uh, on Friday, Alex, you said that this team can either really have a turnaround or can go right back to the dumps. That was the la- one of the last things that was said, and I think that this was kind of an exclamation mark. Um, it really turned it around from last week, and I, I I think that this this was about as a great of thing you could ask for going into Sunday as anybody could have. Yeah, and that's the thing. On their dressings, like uh, as you said it, the Browns' loss was rock bottom. It felt like, and another reason why this win—I can't believe I didn't mention this or you didn't mention this, Preston—the win is so important. Is because you're going into the bye week. You need some momentum, and that's what this team has now. Because okay, maybe they lost two games that they shouldn't have. The Colts game, no way in hell they should have lost that game. The Browns game. It was close throughout, I will say, but they still should have won that game. Here's the thing about the game. Another thing, too. You look at the numbers. Tennessee has more total yards, 100 more rushing yards, which I can't believe that Derrick Henry had 112. Okay, they did use McNichols and Deontay Foreman. But also, um, total yards, Tennessee passing yards, the Bengals got that by 26. Third down conversions, Titans 5-9, Bengals 10-15. Fourth down conversions, each team was 1-for-1. Time of possession, the Bengals did have 11 more minutes. That's where they uh, separated themselves. But the thing is, you look at the drive chart. The Bengals on four or five drives spanning the second and fourth quarters. Was it that? Um, Was it? I think it was. Yeah. Spanning the second and fourth quarters. Five drives, four touchdowns. And the only drive that did not end in a touchdown, they punted, and they could have gone for it on fourth and three. The, the Bengals, again, Ben, don't break. The Titans drove down in the Bengals' territory, first two possessions, interception, missed field goal. Bengals took advantage of that with a touchdown on the second. You think about the two punts that the Titans had in the, four, in the third quarter, touchdown after the second. Taking advantage of when you're able to weather the storm that Tennessee threw at them. Because remember the third quarter, Tennessee was driving downfield twice. What happened? The Bengals' defense stiffened up. Logan Wilson, huge sack on one of those possessions. So, you're, so again, the Bengals' defense was tested, but, but they, when they needed to make plays, they did. Yeah, and we talked about it on Friday's preview show. This could very easily be a trap game for Tennessee. They came off a very close loss to the only undefeated team left in the NFL, the Pittsburgh Steelers. And they come into this week thinking, well, we're just going to rebound and beat up on the one-win Bengals. And we were right. It was a trap game for Tennessee. And in my opinion, Zach Taylor coached a much better game than Mike Vrabel. 
And it's crazy to me to think that, like, the Bengals had everything going against them. They're starting left, right, left and right tackle and center were all out. Um, and then on early Sunday morning, we learned that Michael Jordan is also out due to an illness not related to COVID. So we're like, great. We have four starters out. And we have a guy starting at left tackle who has never played or has never started an NFL game. Uh, Shaq Calhoun, he started um, and he was brought up from the practice squad. And then Quentin Spain eventually uh, replaces him, I believe, on the second series. He got here on Friday. He got here on Friday. And then um, uh, Fred Johnson played really well at right tackle. Billy Price stepped up, and he played really well. He got a game ball after the game. Um, And overall, you just think about they had everything going against them. Joe Mixon was out. And everyone, all the replacements, stepped up. They stepped up, and that was exactly what the Bengals needed. Because everyone was saying, well, Joe Burrow is going to get killed. Just try to keep Joe Burrow alive. You have all these offensive linemen out. And Joe Burrow, we've even, see it when, we've even seen it when the offensive line has played poorly. He has made up. And so if the offensive line can play like this, they can play well consistently, we can see what this team can do. We can see what this offense is capable of. And we see all the weapons that we're able to utilize. Giovanni Bernard, look how well he played. A rushing touchdown and a receiving touchdown. Zach Taylor is utilizing all of his weapons. Auden Tate, he said in his post-game presser, you know, we, we sat down and we looked and we saw Auden Tate isn't getting as many snaps as we'd ultimately like him to be getting. And you know what he comes he comes in, he gets the most playing time he's had all season, and what does he do? He makes some in, immaculate catches, seven catches for 65 yards. And he, I, I don't know, it's some of the plays, some of these catches that he made were in really big moments too. And they were huge. I know you see him extending for the first uh, for the um, first down, and that was and a big play on our first touchdown drive. Yeah, I mean he literally did everything that this team needed him to do. T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd. T. Higgins six catches, seventy eight yards. Tyler Boyd six catches, sixty seven yards. AJ Green had kind of a down day. That's all right. The other receivers stepped up. What I'm trying to say is that when this offense clicks, and when this coaching staff is able to coach a with you know with guts they they went out and made some ballsy uh ballsy decisions the fourth down um attempt the fourth and three that they ultimately converted um when they get a groove they're gonna take that and just like you said going to the bye week they need some confidence and going in going into the pittsburgh game in two weeks from now on the 15th i think these Bengals players are really confident in themselves and the coaching staff is really confident in what's going on in the uh, building right now Preston. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree with you. And, I mean, we talked about – I remember at the beginning, kind of more towards the beginning of the season, I remember we had a conversation, um, who would we rather keep around more, Auden Tate or John Ross? And I think kind of around the table we all agreed, you know, I think Auden Tate would be the better option. Not saying that either of them be a long-term option, but for now let's go with Auden Tate. And I'm looking at it here. He only had – he had seven receptions. He only had seven targets. So every time he was targeted, he came down with the ball. And, I mean, he has a big frame. He's a tall receiver. I mean, I think especially for a guy like Joe Burrow who likes to throw the ball down the field a lot and who likes to really target his receivers, give him a chance, I think that Auden Tate really fits well. And I'm mean, not going to jump the gun and say that one Auden Tate already just off this one kind of game, but I think that he does show a lot of potential. And Alex, something you also mentioned is um, that this team is just going to continue to improve, and that's an absolutely amazing point. That, that is exactly what's going to happen. I mean, with these injuries, with this team being young and still, I mean, still not being the team that's been together for a whole long, long time, this is a team that will continue to improve. And, la- and Sunday, we saw kind of something that they can do. Um, but then, I mean, obviously with Joe Mixon coming back, I mean, there's injuries. I mean, this is a team that may- I hope they can kind of take this win and take off from it. 
because they will continue to improve. This is not the peak of this team. No, it, it definitely is not. At least it shouldn't be. And I don't think the way this team is wired, it's going to be. Like, you... Now, well, I, I think with Joe Burrow, like, you know, he's probably already moving on in the next game. Or, as he said, uh, someone asked him what his plans are for the bye week. He said absolutely nothing. Hmm. Um, the, the, the challenge now is, can Zach Taylor, you know, coach this team to consecutive wins? Something that he still has not accomplished in his tenure so far. I want to go back to something... Um, I'll start with actually with you, Preston, on when you talk about Auden Tate and John Ross. Here's the thing about Auden Tate. He's six foot five. And the reports that I was reading coming out that I was reading coming out of training camp talked about how you can put the ball, if you're Joe Burrow, you can put the ball in any spot. And Auden Tate with his big six foot five frame and his catch radius, he's gonna go up and get it. And I don't know why it's the guy, the fans who were next to where I was sitting at, at, at the game yesterday reminded me that Marvin Lewis said Auden Tate was a practice squad player. He's a little bit more than that. And in the game where A.J. Green was being heavily blanketed by Malcolm Butler, two, re- two receptions for 19 yards for A.J. Green, what Joe Burrow did was he went to his other weapons. Auden Tate, as Preston you alluded to. T. Higgins. That man keeps getting better and better every single week. I mean, he made two catches yesterday, one on the sidelines that made um, the top 10 on Sports Center, which was in- incredible. Great body control. I mean, you want to talk about Auden Tate. T. Higgins is a guy who you can throw the ball up to anywhere he's going to make the catch. He's gotten so much better throughout the course of the season. It's really fun to watch T. Higgins play. Tyler Boyd, another day at the office for him. Six receptions, 67 yards, and a touchdown. And by the way... Um, that you know, and you were sitting in the end zone where it happened. Mm-hmm. The throw from Joe Burrow to Tyler Boyd, where when Burrow threw the ball, Boyd's back was turned to the play, and Bur- Burrow threw the ball in the absolute perfect spot. And the next thing you knew, Tyler Boyd turned around, and was like, "Oh hi, uh, let me reel this in." Hmm. I mean, that's just something we didn't, we haven't seen in a very, very long time. And so, absolutely, keep Auden Tate over John Ross. John Ross didn't play yesterday, and it didn't even matter. Um, and you were talking about the coaching staff yesterday. I'm trying to remember all that you, you were saying. Um, I Look, Zach Taylor has gotten better these last two weeks. The Bengals have averaged 32.5 points the last two weeks. They have back-to-back 30-point games. That has not happened in a very long time, it feels like, for this, for this team and for this franchise. And we talk about, you know... What Zach Taylor hasn't done or what he doesn't do, excuse me, the other great coaches do, here's the thing. The last two weeks, they've had great game plans. And you utilize, excuse me, Gio Bernard, 15 rushes, 62 yards, and a touchdown. And the Bengals have had trouble running the football this year. Yesterday, I thought their run game was very solid. And the offensive line... We talk about, you know, what, what, what Zach Taylor is trying to pride this, this franchise on. Character and communication. Jim Turner said that there was elite communication between the offensive linemen leading up to this game. And you think about Quentin Spain making his first appearance with this team and having to learn the terminology on the fly. And you, didn't even, you wouldn't have even known that he was making his first appearance as a Bengal with the way he played yesterday. And that all goes back to the veterans who have been here before communicating to the new guys coming in, 
you know, what they're supposed to do and what the terminology is on the offensive line. It is overly impressive how, you know, much of a turnaround this performance is. And yes, we talk about this game. I said, is it going to mark the beginning of a turnaround? Or are we just going to hit more rock bottom going into the bye week? No, we have some momentum now. We can go into Pittsburgh in two weeks and play with house money. And I said it to my cousin yesterday after the game. We may not make the playoffs this year, but at least tangible progress is being made to set us to set ourselves up next year for what could be a really special season. Yeah, and I want to touch a little more on the whole Billy Price situation. I mentioned how he had, he had got he had gotten a game ball following the game. Zach Taylor said, you know, Billy Price is everything that we're about in this organization. He says he comes into work every day with a smile on his face. He always asks, you know, do you need me to do a practice squad? Do you need me to do a scout team? I mean, what? not practice squad, but scout team. Do you need me to play uh, guard? Do you, need me to, you know, do you need me to do all these things that I'm not accustomed to doing, but I'm willing to do it for the uh, sake of this team and making this team better, making myself better? Um, and I think that just really speaks to the level of commitment that these players have to not only each other, but, you know, to the coaching staff because – while there have been a few, you know, outliers like Carlos Dunlap, John Ross, um, guys that have come out and said, you know, they're not happy with their role, they're not happy with where they're at in the organization. The Jeremy Roush, he came out with that story saying, you know, well, that's only from one or two people. But the majority of this locker room and the majority of these players, we see it every week, they're, they're together. And I, I know that it's hard to believe that when every week that you're suffering these terrible losses, like to the Browns and... You know, as much as you like hearing that they're they're together, it doesn't really mean anything if you're not stringing together wins. And we finally saw that all come together. These guys are playing for one another. And two of the other guys that got game balls, Jim Turner, the offensive line coach, and Ben Martin, for good reason. Because you bring in a guy, Quentin Spain, off the streets. And it's, and it's funny because Zach Taylor also said that Billy uh, Price was kind of teaching Quentin Spain, you know, uh, on the fly. Like, he's just kind of like his, like, uh, Quentin Spain's like the apprentice and uh, he's, just, he's just learning from Billy Price on the fly. And so I think that just really speaks to the level of dedication and level, level of motivation that these players have because they're, they're playing for one another. And another thing that I want to talk about is that Joe Burrow, it, it's so nice because you see he has faith and he has trust in, his, in the guys around him because, like you mentioned, you can throw the ball up to anywhere around Auden Tate and he's going to make these catches. Brian Callahan said today that he just has an insane catch radius. You know, you throw it within, you throw it back shoulder, you throw it, you know, he has to make a crazy one-hand catch. Well, he can do it all. Same with T. Higgins. You see in that first, I believe it was their first offensive drive, the third and four. It looks like Joe Burrow is just getting chased out of bounds. He just throws it up to T. Higgins, and he makes a fantastic catch, um, really, on two defenders. So he has, and also the Tyler Boyd throw. You know, Tyler Boyd had his back turned to him, and he was getting held clearly, which didn't even get called. But right as Tyler Did it Boyd, matter? no, it didn't matter. <laughs> as as Tyler Boyd is turning around and make that, um, you know, the look for the ball, it's right there. And I think that just shows the level of preparation, level of confidence, and level of trust that Joe Burrow has with every, really everyone on this offense. Yeah, I mean, the first thing you mentioned there is the leadership and kind of the turnaround. And I think that you know, I mean, I think the last week or so we've seen a good amount of that come come through, kind of through this team. I mean, with the trade of. Carlos Dunlap, I mean, that was kind of a uh, locker room cancer, as we talked about, got that out of there. I mean, and then seeing the, just the team win, and I think, as you said, a lot of the guys in this locker room have that mentality that we're playing for each other. And, I mean, just the few that didn't, I mean, kind of weed it out, you know, and then kind of get down to this. You mentioned the Billy Price thing. I mean, that's a great point. Um, and then, you, I mean, I, I alluded to it a little bit earlier um, when talking about Auden Tate, but 
Joe Burrow, I mean, he loves, and I'm, I'm thinking too about his time in college and then his time in the NFL. He does love those short passes, and then he loves to kind of throw it down the field. I mean, he loves to take shots. I mean, he did it in the in, in college a lot, and now in the NFL, I think the more that he kind of gets uh, into the game, the more experienced he gets, the more he's going to take downfield shots. T. Higgins is a receiver that, I mean, at Clemson now, I mean, he can really go get the ball. I mean, that's really what he does. Obviously, that's what A.J. Green has done a lot, too. I mean, he's getting older. And then Auden Tate, you talk about the 6'5 frame. I mean, that is, that is somebody that I think really matches with uh, Joe Burrow really well. Um, and this offense really well, you know, I mean, this is, I mean, Joe Burrow has liked to take some downfield shots as we've seen throughout the year. He's kind of made a lot of his money more on those short, you know, nice passes, you know, but he really can throw the ball down the field really well. And I think that's kind of what this receiver core really does bring to Joe Burrow too. This receiving core is quickly becoming a very, very prominent one. I feel like, and here's the thing last year, it was Tyler Boyd and then who's who. Like, I remember we had Damian Willis starting week one. Remember that? Yeah. Damian Willis. And John Ross had his moments last year, but it was Tyler Boyd and maybe a little bit of Auden Tate, but then it was like, who else is out there? This year, it's Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, A.J. Green's had a nice previous three weeks. I think you still have some value because, I mean, look, he is a leadership presence, and he's still producing somewhat on the field. Obviously, a lot of the targets are good. Obviously, you know, your big plays are probably going to Boyd and T. Higgins and Auden Tate. But still, A.J. Green does provide some value. And we talk about, I'm sure I remember, you were talking about the receiving core, and then you were mentioning the offensive line and the communication that was there. Like, I mean, this, is, this was a game in old Bengals years. They probably don't win because you bring in an offensive lineman Friday, and he's playing in a game Sunday. That just that that normally in Bengals uh, terminology spells disaster. This time it didn't, and you're seeing. We talked about a lot of this on on Friday, the culture that Zach Taylor is trying to build. Say what you want that he's not producing wins. One thing he is doing is he is backing up everything he said in his introductory press conference in February of 2019 about culture and communication. Now we're seeing the fruits of that labor coming into fruition. We're seeing it. And the Bengals, they have now won a game. They have shown, and here's the, we haven't even talked about this yet. They just beat a team who played in the AFC Championship game last year. I mean, the Titans, we can say, you can say what you want about their defense. They're not, their defense is not very good. I will say that right now. Right now. Their defense is not very good. But their offense is one of the most dynamic offenses in the league. And you limit them to seven points through three quarters. And I watched a little bit of the game today. The pass rush was, it was there. I mean, and we talk about, you know, this defense struggling to get pressure on the quarter, the opposing quarterback, in addition to being terrible in coverage, they pressured Ryan Tannehill a little bit. And it finally reached a pinnacle with Logan Wilson's sack, which, by the way, Great draft pick. Oh, yeah. In addition to Joe Burrow and T. Higgins. So, and we talk about the culture. Carlos Dunlap being shipped out of here um, last Wednesday. You're seeing that Zach Taylor is getting his guys and his team to buy into what he's trying to create here. And it's working, I feel like, in terms of the culture and communication. The wins have to come on a consistent level. But 
This is a great start to that. Yeah, and I, and you know, the offense is going to be there every week. I feel like I mean, with the, when you have a group of elite pass catchers, and you know, Giovanni Bernard, who's a above average replacement for Joe Mixon, who's a top ten running back in the league, that that'll be there on a week to week basis. But this defense is really going to be the, you know, the pivotal part of this team that it's going to win them games or lose them games, and it, it already has this year. And they really stepped up this past game. You know, they only had one sack. It was Logan Wilson, and he even admitted, you know, it was kind of like a busted play. He wasn't even supposed to blitz, but he saw his opportunity. But I think that also speaks to the, you know, how intelligent that these players are. You know, they see the opportunity to make a play, and they're going to do it. Logan Wilson, I remember um, when when we drafted him in the third round, I was ecstatic with the pick because, you know, you see his um, sideline to sideline uh, speed, his – you know, uh, coverage ability, and I think that he was just overall a really good pick. But you're right, this defensive line actually did get some pressure, and while they only generated one sack from a linebacker, Carl Austin was consistently in Tannehill's face. Geno Atkins, actually, I saw a few plays where he got some pressure and he was getting up. I saw, I can't remember exactly what the play was, but um, I, w- I wish I had it in front of me, but Geno Atkins, I saw him push the guard back into Ryan Tannehill. I mean, it looked like vintage Geno Atkins. Obviously, He's had a slow, tar- slow start to the year. Um, he only gets, you know, he had 19 snaps this past game. Um, so he's still getting to the swing of things with an injury. Christian Covington has played well. Surprisingly, you know, we brought him off the streets. Um, and then in the back end, you know, Jesse Bates, arguably the best safety in the NFL. He, I think he had a 90, has a 90 overall, or if not a higher PFF grade. He has been fantastic. And then Von Bell, you bring him in this past offseason. He has his best game of the season. Um, and I think if that tandem can really get going, they're going to force some turnovers. You saw Jesse Bates have the interception um, in the back of the end zone. And this defense is something that, you know, as these players progress, they have a lot of young guys. If they progress and, you know, as the communication is as elite as they're saying as it is, you know, this is going to be a defense that's, you know, one to be reckoned with once you get some guys back from injury like Trey Waynes and DJ Reader. I think they have forced a turnover in seven straight games. Have they? I think they did not force one against the Chargers. But Phillips had an interception last week. That is true. So, the, so they had an interception last week. They had an interception this week. Against the Colts, they had two turnovers. Ravens, they had um, Logan Wilson's interception. Jacksonville, they had Jordan Evans. Philadelphia, they had two. Cleveland, they had one. Excuse me. So it's been seven straight games. Yep. And you're seeing the, opportun- the opportunistic defense come into play here i'm sure i'm trying to find i'm trying to find another angle here to talk about with this game it's just like you know look here here's what i'll say here's what i'll say let's go back to joe burrow he has made being a Bengals fan fun again that's what joe burrow has done and, and you hear it from the players talking about that he brings he brings this swagger to this team and he's brought a swagger to the city you're now excited. Forget the fact that the Bengals have only two wins. You're excited every Sunday to get up and see Joe Burrow play because you know you're going to get a very good performance. You might see him make a great play like he did yesterday on that seven-yard scramble where he could have lost 15 yards and he made a seven-yard gain. You're seeing what he brings to this team. He's going to make the most of every situation. You never feel like you're out of any game with Joe Burrow in a quarterback. And the only bad game that he had played, the game was still reasonably with maybe within even the smallest of striking distances 
up until the fourth quarter until Patrick Queen had the fumble return for a touchdown. But you're seeing Joe Burrow gives this team an opportunity to win every single week. And, you know, I I said, does Zach Taylor Taylor deserve to coach Joe Burrow? I I would pump the brakes on Zach Taylor a little bit. It's only one win, but it's a step in the right direction. Yeah, and the thing about Joe Burrow is, I mean, outside the Ravens game, his play has been so consistent. Like, he is consistently just such a great passer. I mean, he makes... He just doesn't make bad decisions much. Very rarely does he make bad decisions. We've seen a couple throughout the year. I mean, kind of rookie mistakes, I'd say. But even yesterday, I mean, it wasn't one of more of his completely flashy performances. You know, 250 yards, two touchdowns, 106 passer rating, which I will say, if you're saying that's not one of his more flashy performances as a rookie, that's saying something right there. (laughs) And the other thing, I mean, look, I mean, I know we've talked about the Tennessee Titans not having the best – you know, the best pass rush, um, no sacks, no sacks. Two QB hits is all they had here on the, on the stats. That's, that's all I'm seeing. I mean, I mean, and then the Bengals had four. I mean, I think I'm kind of big on if you can win the pass rush, if you can really pressure the quarterback, I think you're probably going to win the passing game on either side of the ball. I mean, if you can pressure the quarterback, the Bengals were able to protect, protect Joe Burrow, give him time. And, I mean, he, he, he was able to – you know, make some great throws. He was able to not make any mistakes, as we've seen from him. And I think that that's just huge. If you can really get him into the game, and as we said, the offensive line just protected him really well. And I think that was ginormous in this game. And that's, you know, four backups starting yesterday on the offensive line. And another thing about Joe Burrow is that there can be injuries around him up front, whatever. He's going to find a way to put the Bengals in a position to win. And yesterday, you know, we talk about the bend don't break defense you know you think about tennessee and some of the drives that they have you know the first possession of the game for the titans eight plays 61 yards i mean next you know the first off the kickoff was it died in the wind so they got good field position at their own 31 yard line so you think about you know in the blink of an eye they're at the bengals eight yard line you're thinking oh gosh they're gonna go up seven three this is gonna be the beginning of a long afternoon no jesse bates makes a great interception Bengals punt on the ensuing possession. Okay, the Titans go down to our 35-yard line. Steven Koskowski, who's having a really rough year, misses the field goal. Bengals cash in with a touchdown. So it's 17-7. Titans get the ball to start the second half. Six plays, 54 yards. Lose 10 via the pen- via penalty. Um, and that drive was, I believe, that was the one that... Um, it was a 10-yard penalty, so a holding penalty on Brandon Jones. So, And then the Bengals hold, they held serve on uh, second and third down and 12. Bengals then punt. I maybe would have gone for it on that fourth and three. Would you guys have gone for it? Oh, I definitely would have gone for it. You yeah. have the moment. There's nothing. There's not. It's not overly the wrong decision to punt. But you have the momentum. Tennessee's offense was moving the ball reasonably well, and you know with this defense, as the game goes on, they're going to continue to struggle. That's where you have to come in as a head coach, thinking about all facets of the game, and say, you know what? We should go for it here. We got the momentum on our side. We got Joe Burrow in a quarterback who's playing a really good game. So you're saying you would have gone for it? Definitely. Yeah. Okay, so they, they so they don't go for it, though. That's fine. Kevin Huber punts the ball down to the 11. 
Of course, Derrick Henry, first play, goes 21 yards. The Titans eventually get to the Bengals' 40-yard line. But then, it's a, it's a two-yard run by Deontay Foreman, incomplete pass to A.J. Brown, and then a sack from Logan Wilson, minus 10 yards, Titans punting. Next possession for the Bengals. They converted a third and three pass to Tyler Boyd. Uh, Auden Tate also had a first down reception on that drive. He actually had two first down receptions. A.J. Green also had a 13-yard catch. Uh, first and Here's another thing, too, about Joe Burrow. We talk about what makes him so great. How many times last week did was there a false start or holding, and he still got the Bengals to the first down? A lot. On this touchdown drive, A.J. Green had a false start. Next play, they go to Tyler Boyd for 13 yards, and then Gio Bernard. Um, no, I'm sorry, uh, Joe Burrow to Tyler Boyd for the touchdown. And what you're seeing is Tyler Boyd can still get open because now opposing defenses have to worry about T. Higgins, Auden Tay, and even still A.J. Green. So then, Titans score nine plays, 75 yards, 235 off the clock. How about Brandon Wilson's kickoff return? I mean, he's been kind of like the unsung hero. I feel like this year, you know, I think he leads. I think he's believed he still leads the NFL in kickoff return. Uh, I don't know if it's overall yards or if it's average uh, kickoff uh, return yards. I, I can't remember exactly. But either way, he's been fantastic for this team. I think he definitely took advantage of some short kicks uh, due to the wind. That was definitely a huge factor. But he, you know, he found the holes. I think that's something that he was able to do early on this year, and then he had kind of had a found a slump the last few games, and then he really, uh, you know, he came back and was playing well. And that's something that's something that you need to do because if you're able to take advantage and give your offense great field advantage, that's something that's going to play really well, for, especially for this offense. Because let's face it, Joe Burrow is going to be the face of this franchise for the next, you know, 10 years, you know, 10, 15, maybe, who knows? Who even knows how long he's, he'll play for, like a Brady. Um and he's everything as advertised. He's cool. He's calm. He's collected. He does. He's basically he's a pro's pro. And you hear from everyone around the NFL. They say he doesn't play like a rookie. He doesn't act like a rookie. He doesn't sound like a rookie in the huddle. And his teammates respect him and they listen to him. And for someone like Joe Burrow to have even been up for grabs for the Bengals in this past draft, I think is. Probably the best thing that has ever happened to the Cincinnati Bengals, maybe in the entire history of their franchise, because you think about now where, where this franchise is headed. They have their starting quarterback for the next however long. They have pieces like Tyler, po- Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, Jonah Williams, guys that are going to be with this team for years to come. And you think about just how close they have been in so many of these games. They have the pieces, but when they piece it together – and they're able to click at, on all phases of the game, it's going to be dangerous. And this team is, I mean, I think they have the level, they have the capability to play like a team like the Kansas City Chiefs. They have the level, they have the level of, or they're capable of playing like a Super Bowl winning franchise. And I think that it's not going to happen this year. It might not even happen next year. But in a few years, I think people are going to look back and think, Joe Burrow was easily the best thing that's happened to the city of Cincinnati for a, in a long time. Here's what, you know, let's talk about, okay, I, I know I'm transitioning here to this being more about the organization and its history than about this game, but 
We think about Joe Burrow and that he's made being a Bengals fan fun again. Let's go back to when Carson Palmer first came here. And as great as Carson Palmer was, he didn't want all this attention. He 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 was very um, he wanted to distance himself from the spotlight. But unfortunately, unfortunately, as the number one overall pick in the draft and as the reigning Heisman Trophy winner, you can't really do that. So Burrow and Palmer are, are similar in that they're both Heisman Trophy winning quarterbacks coming out of college, and the year that they're drafted, they're, they're drafted each number one overall. But with, with Joe Burrow, like you're seeing, he he might come off as that he's not really, you know, into the hype that's being created around him. He's embracing this challenge. He's embracing it. And you're seeing the respect that he has in the locker room, the leadership he displays on the field. It feels like a new beginning. And um, as much as there is pressure on him, given the futility of this franchise the last 29 years, you still feel like because of his personality and because of the swagger that he brings... Carson Palmer was a good on-field leader. I'm not denying that. But he didn't have the connection to the fan base that Joe Burrow has. I mean, did, did, did they make one of these shirts when uh, Carson Palmer? I mean, did they make him, you know, laying out on a, a Muscle Beach in California uh, when he was drafted? Hmm, no. Okay. That's what Joe Burrow is. He has a personality that you, that you may not see very easily, but you know it's there. And we talk about, you know, this franchise, how many times that it has had to hit the reset button. It did it with Marvin Lewis. It did it with Andy Dalton. Now, I would, and I was thinking about this earlier today, Andy Dalton... Yes, he played nine years here, but it felt like to me that those nine years happened, how do I say this without disrespecting what he did? I almost feel like because of the whole situation with Palmer, that he wanted to be traded, that those nine years were happening amid the shadows of that. And that he never really, it never really felt like the Andy Dalton era, so to speak. You know this is the Joe Burrow era. You know it is. We never fully wrapped our heads around Andy Dalton. We did with Palmer, and now we're doing it again with Joe Burrow. And you're seeing that this organization, I think, based on the moves they've made the previous few weeks, are giving him every opportunity to succeed and lead this organization to a very prominent place. I, I completely agree. I mean, the hype around Joe Burrow, especially coming in, and I mean now, it's just out the roof, but it, it was huge. I mean, 99 times out of 100, Chase Young is probably the number one pick in the draft. I mean, the amount of just, everybody was, I mean, everybody was saying he's a surefire Hall of Famer. I mean, the guy's just a, a monster. I mean, no, no, you haven't really seen anything like him. It took Joe Burrow having one of the greatest seasons, in co- probably the greatest season in college football history, to be drafted above this man, and he's lived up to it so far. I mean, obviously we're only, what, eight games in, but he just has an aura around him, and what he brought into Cincinnati, I mean, the hype for the fans, the leadership on the team. I mean, 
how often is a rookie quarterback the um, captain, one of the captains on the team? I, I, I really want to know how often that happens. I, I mean, it, it probably not, probably not much. I would think. No. But I mean, that's just huge. And I mean, the potential of this team is 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 just it, it's big. I mean, even it, that doesn't really um, matter about the win this week. I mean, because either way, I mean, it's it, it's come and it's potential. But it, the, there's so much potential in this team. You talk about young players on the offense and defense. Obviously, we've talked about how the offense can be lethal in a couple of years here. I mean, and some people may say, well, you're 2-5-1. and one. You, you can't really have the too positive of an outlook. Well, that's just then you haven't really watched the Bengals play. You haven't really looked at their roster and their young guys. The potential in this team is astronomical. And the Joe Burrow effect is completely real when it comes to that. No, no, no question about it. Um, now, the one thing that we are going to have to uh, keep an eye on and that this organization is the biggest decision that they're going to have to decide is, is Zach Taylor the right man for the job? There is, uh, a next, there is an explanation to be said that he is, and I'm going to tell you why. Think about Baker Mayfield and that he has played for four head coaches and four offensive coordinators in his career already and he's not even he's not even through year three there is something to be said in this case a good thing to be said about continuity about continuity and that is having the same coaching staff for back-to-back years or however long now i would argue maybe maybe get a new defensive coordinator that's fine but offensively I think you're starting to see Zach Taylor come along a little bit. He's got the players that he wants. He's starting to figure it out. The Bengals didn't lose to the Browns because of offense. They lost because their defense can't cover anybody for a lick. And I still question as to whether or not they can, even though William Jackson did do an okay job on A.J. Brown yesterday. The Beng- okay, the Colts game, they started out really well offensively. And what did I say? They scored six points in the last, what, 45 plus 45 minutes? Okay, 17 and 17 in the two halves of the Cleveland game. Yesterday, 17 and 14. Marvin Lewis teams would get out to 21 nothing leads in the first half, and then they lose 27-24. This is not that with Zach Taylor. He's he coaches 60 minutes of football, and you're seeing it. And if the Bengals continue to win, knowing who Mike Brown is, Zach Taylor will be back for a third season. Now, if the Bengals end up winning like seven games, you would be okay with that, right? Oh, I would. I mean, considering the start that we had to this year, I think seven games would exceed anyone's expectations. Um, I mean, I may remember before the season started, I think it was like Colin Cowherd and most of the uh, experts, if you want to call them, um, you know, they predicted three, four, maybe five wins for the Bengals. And so, and you, and you think about their schedule coming up, you know, it's you, they have some pretty favorable matchups. Um, obviously, their next game, they have a bye week and then, <laughs> um, they uh, travel to Pittsburgh. Uh, that, that, that's going to be a big game. And Alex, you said you, you apologize for you know, kind of transitioning into talking about the organization more than this game, but I think what's more important than, than anything is it has to start somewhere. You know, While the team has not had the best start to the season, um, win and loss-wise, um, you know, they played well. And they had to transition it into actual winning games and this was the beginning of it i mean this team that we just beat was five and one they lost to the only undefeated team left in the nfl by what was it three points three points um they could have been in the super bowl last year 
and they have primarily the same uh, roster, if not better, um, with the addition of like guys like Jadavion Clowney. Um, but the loss, of, I think the loss of Taylor Lewan, let me cut you off there, Taylor Lewan being out yesterday, I think did have an impact on the game, because Carl Lawson did have some pass rush. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you. I'm, I'm just saying that this team is not far from what they were last year when they were nearly in the Super Bowl. And for a rookie quarterback to come in and, you know, really handle them very easily from start to finish, that's another thing is we've seen plenty of comebacks from other teams against the Bengals because the Bengals will start hot, they'll get some momentum, and then they'll lose it as the second, third quarter, fourth quarter go on. And then they just lose their momentum. They don't seem like the same team as the game continues as they were at the very beginning. And this is a game that I really saw from everyone on the team start to finish. They were consistent. They played well, and they even seemed to get better as the game went on. Because you think about it, you get one catch. Okay, yeah, you know, it feels good. You, t you take a hit. Two catches. Okay, you know, I'm starting to play well. And then three, four, five, six, seven catches. Guys like Alden Tate and Tyler Boyd. The more you're getting the ball thrown your way, the more you get touches, you're going to get more confident. And I think that for a rookie quarterback, no one expected him to win this game. At least not that I think. I, I saw some. I thought they could have. I mean, the, I th I don't, but I don't. You told me not a chance. None of us. <laughs> none of us predicted the Bengals to win. And Joe Burrow went in and handled the Tennessee Titans, uh, one of the more consistent organizations over the last few years. And moving forward, you think about what this team is capable of doing. If they beat Pittsburgh. That is a season-defining game. If this game wasn't, if you wouldn't consider this game uh, season-defining, um, I think it's going to turn. Season-changing, sorry. It's going to turn defining. the season around. Uh, Go ahead. A season-turning game, um, but it has to start somewhere. And this game could be it. This game could be the one that gets them going in the right direction and maybe string together a few really big games. You know what else was impressive yesterday to me was the play calling. Yeah. When, and it wasn't just like being aggressive like on the last drive you saw Joe Burrow um, hit Auden Tay on that back shoulder throw on the sidelines what you're seeing with the Bengals is they can they're, they're, they're very they are very smart they were very smart yesterday about what plays to call when here's another thing too you want to talk about clock management end of the first half they are inside the red zone at the two minute morning they did a fantastic job of taking 90 seconds off the clock, which limited Tennessee to having only 30 seconds to go down the field. And for an offense that can move the ball quickly, as quickly down the field as they can, that was a great job managing the clock by Zach Taylor and Brian Callahan. And then on third and one from the 12-yard line, you can pass in that situation, but they didn't. Joe Burrow, uh, or they handed off to Gio Bernard, Runs up the middle for a touchdown. The play calling yesterday, situational play calling, was fantastic. It was it, it was really fantastic yesterday. And this coaching staff, you know, we were harping on them earlier in the season. Like, why does a 2-14 and 14 team not make any changes? Okay. Well, here's the thing. Let's say they had made changes. You would have brought in a rookie quarterback. That's new. New coaching staff that's new, and yet you have these weapons. What they wanted to do was give Joe Burrow a staff that had been here for a year, and he's only made it better. And that is that speaks tremendous volumes 
to a rookie quarterback. And I know it's Joe Burrow and he's got all this pomp and circumstance to him, 60 touchdowns in the SEC. Which, by the way, I, I, I got to say something here. I am really, and I mean this, and the people who know who they are, I love you all. I think you're great. But I am sick and tired of these Cleveland Browns fans. Whenever they lose the same week we win, they become the sorest losers. They will find any conceivable bad angle from a Bengals game. When they, when the Bengals win, and they were pointing out, like they said, oh, hey, uh, remember Joe Burrow's interception yesterday? Well, fun fact, it was called back as a pass interference. Why are you bringing that up? You want to you 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 find whatever you can to get on about a rookie quarterback. Please. And then I have people telling me, the same people telling me, oh, uh, you messed up the pick in the draft. You should have taken Justin Herbert. I'm sorry. We should have taken Justin Herbert? Justin Herbert threw for 20 touchdowns in the Pac-12 last year, a conference built on offense. Joe Burrow threw for 60 touchdowns in the SEC. And I'm not talking about the Securities and Exchange Commission. I'm talking about the Southeastern Conference. Preston, you, you're a big Joe Burrow fan. You saw him last year carve up Alabama and, and Auburn and Texas. Well, that's a Big 12 team. And all the great in Georgia and the SEC Championship game. And Clemson and the College Football Playoff National Championship game. And that's Joe Burrow. That's the guy I want. And in the last two games, he has five touchdown passes and one rushing touchdown. You know who else has played well the last three weeks? Giovanni Bernard. Here's a guy who we signed to a two-year, $10 million extension prior to last season. Wasn't viewed with tremendous positivity. Oh, it should be viewed that way now. Because he has three straight games with a rushing touchdown, and now he has two straight games with a receiving touchdown. It's like he's found the fountain of youth. It's really impressive. So, to all those Browns fans out there who keep trying to tell me, or keep trying to point out all these bad things about Joe Burrow, and that we messed up the pick, and that Baker Mayfield is better than him. Did you see Baker Mayfield yesterday? No. Uh, how many points did the Browns score yesterday? Six! Six! <gasps> that means in two of the last three games, the Browns have scored seven and six points. The Bengals, on the other hand, despite losing two of the three games, 27, 34, and 31. And you're trying to tell me Baker Mayfield is better than Joe Burrow? It's, is, is it far-fetched for me to say that Joe Burrow is maybe the best quarterback in the division? Uh, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if he's it might at be that, a stretch. I don't know if he's at that level yeah. yet, but he's, you know, he's up there. Yeah, with Lamar, I think it's probably a stretch. But I mean, it's you saw Lamar Jackson struggle yesterday, yeah, though, didn't you? It's not crazy to say. I mean, obviously having an MVP year, I don't think you can quite last year. I don't think you can quite say that Burrow is better than Lamar right now. But I think that in a year or so, I mean, if he keeps playing like, I mean, I would say that. I mean, obviously, I think Burrow has more potential than. That is a definite. Uh, he's more, he has more potential than Baker Mayfield. Oh, absolutely. That's not even. <laughs> and I mean, I think, I think that. Uh, I, I mean, not to get into the Herbert Burrow talk too much, because I think I, I think that any any sensible Bengals fan or any sensible football fan would know that Joe Burrow was the right decision to make in that situation. But totally, I, I would like to see kind of the their career comparison as it goes. And I mean, I've said this before, like going into the draft, if you were to build a quarterback physical wise, physically wise. You basically build Justin Herbert. I mean, his physical stature, he's, what, 6'5", he's big, he has a cannon. I mean, some of his decision-making was a little bit off. I mean, I think Joe Burrow was the obvious decision. But I'm very interested to see kind of how that goes. 
I mean, um, I mean, we'll kind of see. I, I, I would absolutely 100% go with Joe Burrow again. I mean, also in the aura that Joe Burrow brings. We talked about that a little bit, the Joe Burrow effect. Um, so that's, that's a definite right there. Um, so I think that's kind of just a ridiculous statement. I don't even, I'm not even going to touch on the Baker Mayfield. Yeah, uh, uh, the Browns fans, these Browns fans, what they're doing is they're, they're, they're overreacting and they're, they have all these emotions because they just lost a game that they probably on paper should have won and probably felt like they were going to win against Las Vegas Raiders. Las Vegas, this is Las Vegas. They go into Cleveland in October and they dominate the Browns at the point of attack. That's what happened yesterday. So then, what, what what's going to make you feel better? You're going to trash bang. You're going to trash Bengals fans after they won yesterday. When the reason why um, the Browns won both of the meetings this year against the Bengals was because of the Bengals defense. If you want to get on the Bengals defense, then I then I can talk to you. But you saying that you'd rather have Baker Mayfield over Joe Burrow, please. Just, just stop. At least when I said that Joe Burrow, my, it's not far-fetched to say he's not he's the best quarterback in the division. At least I give my reasonings in a rational, concise manner. I said this. Big Ben is not what he used to be, and that the Steelers are 7-0, not because of him, but because of the defense that they have. Lamar Jackson, to me, I'm going to say it, and I might get chastised for it. I think he's overrated. I think he's having a down-to-earth year, and the Ravens are still 5-2. and two. That's a pretty good down-to-earth year. And Baker, pff, um, against the Colts, don't let the numbers fool you. He was only 2-9 of nine in the second half. And if it wasn't for some egregious mistakes made by Phillip Rivers, that game could have turned out differently. Uh, he was awful against Pittsburgh. He had a great game against the Bengals. Why? Because the Bengals' defense, for whatever reason, can't play against Baker Mayfield. But put him at home against the, the Oakland Raiders, a tough physical team, and he was not great yesterday. And then for him to come out and say, uh, reportedly come out and say he didn't, but uh, he, that he plays better without Odell Beckham. Hmm, clearly the Browns needed him yesterday. Joe Burrow, I mean, he, someone commented yesterday that, that you only need an average we- group of weapons around him. And I kind of believe that. That's who Joe Burrow is. It is not far-fetched to say that he's the best quarterback in this division. Big Ben may have all the experience, but don't tell me Baker Mayfield's better than Joe Burrow. Don't ever tell me that again, because I simply will not believe it. And I think it's just a consistency thing, you know, because, like, Baker, while he's had his highs, you know, I think he's had more lows than he has had highs, and he's just not consistent on a game-to-game basis, you know, because... There's been so many arguments whether or not Baker is a fringe elite quarterback. And one week you might say, oh, well, you know, he's elite. But the next week you say, well, he's a bottom five, 10, maybe even five quarterback because that's how he plays. And when he's elite, it's because he's playing the Bengals defense, which, like I said, they, they, the Bengals defense can't play against the Browns for whatever reason. And to, to the people that are doubting Joe Burrow, to those Browns fans, to the fans that think that we should have taken Justin Herbert, you know, I, my message to them would just be keep doubting Joe Burrow because that's what he feeds on. And you see on week to week, I think he I think he thrives on pressure and I think he thrives on, you know, the trash talk and the, uh, you know, just the overall, just like what people have been saying, you know, that he's not as good as what Bengals fans think he is. Well, you know what? I think he, this time next year, I think that we will be easily saying that Joe Burrow is the best quarterback in this division. Baker would probably be the last worst quarterback in this division, and I don't think that's far-fetched to really say at all. Burrow right now is for sure the third. 
Because Lamar still has some talent. And he might turn it around this year. Big Ben is still Big Ben. He's a veteran. I think you have to give him enough respect to put him ahead of Joe Burrow right now. But putting Baker ahead of him? No. Can't do it. Can't do it. And, and you can say, well, the Browns are 5-3. and three. They're 5-3 and three because they're running the football. That's why they're 5-3. and three. Outside of, the, outside of playing the Bengals the last two weeks, Baker has not been great. He hasn't even been good. Joe Burrow has five 300-yard passing games this season. Does Baker Mayfield have one? Probably against the Bengals. <laughs> he didn't, actually. Oh, he didn't? He was 289. Oh. Baker Mayfield doesn't have one 300-yard passing game. Joe Burrow has five. And the Browns have maybe one of the best offensive lines in the league. And I know Joe Burrow will say he's all about wins and losses. That's great. But I'm still going to point it out there that he's done, he's dealt with a lot of difficulties around him. Baker's been given everything, and he can't consistently win games. Yeah, no 300-yard games. Yeah. Thank you. you correct on that. Thank you. I agree with what you're saying, absolutely. I think that Joe Burrow, I, I, don't, I don't think you can say that Baker's better than Joe Burrow whatsoever. I mean, I think that to Baker, to, to, to Baker's uh, concern, kind of, I mean, he has been through a lot of, you know, change, overturn, um, but the consistency thing just doesn't even make sense. I mean, how he's just so inconsistent. <laughs> and I mean, I'm, I'm going to say something right now. I Part of me hopes, and I was thinking about this earlier, part of me hopes that they give the Rookie of the Year award to Justin Herbert over Joe Burrow. Honestly, because I mean, you said you said something about the doubt Joe Burrow thing, and I remember I don't know if you guys watched the uh, the Last Dance documentary, you know, with Michael Jordan and all that. Best documentary ever made. It, it, it really is. I would completely agree with that. Um, I remember. I, I think it was. I don't remember if it was '96 or '97. Um, but uh, they went the year that Carl Malone won the MVP, and I don't, I don't remember exactly how it went, but basically Michael Jordan said something like, you know, we just won the NBA Finals. Like, they gave they gave Carl Malone the MVP. Like, Michael Jordan's just going to go win the Finals. <laughs> I think that a part of me honestly kind of hopes that they give it to Joe, Justin Herbert. Really kind of incentivize Joe Burrow. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that uh, if you, when you talk about best quarterbacks in the division, I mean, I think that Lamar might still hold the, the crown just because of his MVP season. Um, maybe can't give it to Joe Burrow yet, and then I mean I think that Ben Roethlisberger and Joe. I mean, it's, it, it, I would I would take Joe Burrow obviously potential. I mean, it's not even close, um, especially like age. But for a season like just to have for one season, Joe Burrow now or Ben Roethlisberger now. I mean, you can debate that all you want, but obviously, I mean, who would you rather have in the long run? I mean, it's obviously oh Burrow for fifteen yeah, years yeah, and age and I mean everything. Got about a minute left. This is where this is where you like the front office that the Bengals have because. They value continuity, and that's why there is a justification to be made that it might be good if Zach Taylor returns next year. Yeah, and I think it's just consistency. You want the you want the players to be familiar with each other. You want the players and the coaches to be familiar with each other, and that's going to be it'll, you know lead to success in the long run. You got um, one win, big win yesterday. You got to turn it into multiple wins. And uh, we're gonna have a special. Uh, bi-week show next Sunday. First half reaction um, so, show. So uh, watch out for that. We'll talk a little bit about the around the NFL, maybe preview a little bit Bengals and Steelers. Um, so, yeah. It's so, going to be a fun week. Be on, be on the lookout for that. But anyway, this was the BearCast Media Bengals recap show. Justin Cashman alongside Alex Frank and Preston Stober. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you soon.